Good morning. Hey, morning. Well, we had to play a song because we were waiting on your refresh link. Yeah, that was weird because it was done already. Mm. 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 Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, Almost there. We were just talking about this music festival that's happening that's a month away. Have you heard about this? No. Who's having a music festival? Um, I think it's I think it's Monster Whoa. Media. Kenny Rankin. Oh, you know what? He did reach out to me about something. Yes. It's like Wyclef Jean, Charlie, Charlie XCX, Michael Bolton, Barris Hammond, Maxi Priest. Yeah. That's a huge lineup. That's like several hundred thousands of dollars in artist fees right there. And they're the real people, right? Not like a cover band. <laughs> <laughs> Michael uh, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta ask. This okay. isn't Fire Festival, right? Yeah. Wyclef John. Yeah. Wyclef John. Wyclef John. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stand by. Charlie CXX. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. Morning, morning. Hey, good morning, Blake and Aaron. How are you? We're good. Oh, wonderful. What do you got for us this morning? Um, so last week, you guys remember that we uh, broke a story about a gentleman who works for the RCIPS. He's actually a civilian worker. They always make sure they clarify between a civilian and a police officer. They both work for the RCIPS. Okay. Um, but he was arrested in relation to a gun-related offense. Remember we told you he's actually I- the son of... A long-serving police officer, a former inspector. Okay. Okay. So he's now been charged. Uh, he appeared in court yesterday. Wow. Gun possession. Gun well, was, it, was it his father's gun? Or, I mean, or no? No. I, okay. I mean, they didn't really give any details, but it doesn't seem like it's a legal firearm. It looks like it's a firearm that wasn't registered. <laughs> wow. Him anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So he has been charged with possession of a gun and ammunition, and he appeared in court yesterday. Um, and he has been bailed. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a tough charge. And, and uh, it doesn't sound like, um, you know, uh, ha- having your dad in the, in the police force is, is, is helping much there. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, obviously innocent until proven otherwise. Right. Mm-hmm. A charge though. So yes, charged and appeared in court. So thieves are on the loose. Okay. Be, be, be careful. Where at? Uh, it seems like they are stealing construction material. Um, so a number of people, in fact, over the weekend, we did an interview with um, MP Sabina Turner. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But they stole 24 pieces of plywood from her MP office in um, Savannah. Wow. And uh, the police are warning that they are out there stealing construction tools and equipment. So they have raised the alarm after um, several reports have been received of a theft or burglary of construction tools and equipment since the beginning of the year. That's a lot so, of plywood. I mean, you, you would have to have, yeah. a, you'd have to have a truck for a that. Truck yeah. And a second person, without a doubt. Well, for sure. Well, there has to be CCTV footage yeah. somewhere, no? Plywood's very expensive Because you would now. see well, the big people, truck. 
Yeah, people in the area um, of Prospect Drive are being asked to look at their CCTV footage yeah. in case they might have caught anything, especially mm -hmm. if you live right at the top of the road. I was going to say they're building a big deck outside of the the, <laughs> and that's what well, the, that's the wood that they. Everybody's a suspect now because someone sent me a screenshot of um of a uh, individual with they were selling plywood and eat candy like maybe they're the culprit. <laughs> Hilarious. Like, ooh, everybody's a suspect. I mean, could be. Um, yes. We, we, we look out for things like that on EK. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're kind of foolish for selling stuff on EK, but you know. Hmm. Somebody's selling plywood. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that so the Mandarin, the Mandarin Oriental developers had a community meeting last night. CMR was there live streaming the event. Go check it out. Uh, fairly well attended and, um, you know, some people in the community were raising their concerns about the project and how it's going to impact the residential um, folks in that area who said, you know, when they purchased their property, they thought it would be residential forever. And at some point, the previous government changed that. So it's no longer fully residential. So the hotel will be going at the very end of Beach Bay Drive. It's um, all cleared. You can go out there and see. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a hotel and residence, so they're um, anticipating starting construction around August. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So congratulations to uh, Kirsty O'Sullivan, who won the National Playwriting Competition. Um, this young lady made her submissions to CNCF, and they announced that she is the 2022 National Playwriting Competition winner for her play called Floating Doll, which is one of three entries in the category of one-act plays written by individuals age 18 and over. So Ooh. very good for her. And there were other categories like full length plays and so on. So very good. I wanted to go back to hotels really quick. Um, what's going on with that Hyatt hotel? That's like the slowest construction project ever. <laughs> Any idea what's happening? There? I, um, no, I actually don't. I think a lot of times um, what ends up happening is, uh, you know, right now with COVID, everything's delayed in terms of construction. So if someone tells you they're going to be done by December with a project, don't believe them because it's just not going to happen. I know, but I I remember looking at yeah. buying buying in that like five years ago, and they, they've you know they've they've got some rebar and some concrete. Yeah. But you look all around the island, there's cranes, there's there's buildings going up, there's construction everywhere. So anyway. Yeah, I'll see if I can find out, but I haven't heard anything really, so not sure. I mean, it looks like a cool project. I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. All right, okay. Sandy. Catch your show right now on Bobo 89.1 FM, and we'll see you tomorrow for the Thursday headlines. Awesome. Have a good one. You too. All right. Good morning, one, and good morning, all. Let me see here. How is everybody doing? Yay. We're about to go live in about 20 seconds on radio. Um, mm-hmm. Five seconds. Peppermint, sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea.
What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Cayman. Rise and shine. Buenos dias. It is Wednesday. I had to think about that for a second. You know, the week is all confused right now. Wednesday, June the 8th. How is everybody doing? Uh, yes, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous day. I feel like I need to adjust my um, my date and time notifications to actually tell me that it's Wednesday. Hmm. How's everybody doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. What's going on? We got a few people online already. I see you. Such a gorgeous day. All right. We're going to get into all the details. We do have the minister who's going to be joining us um, this morning to just give us an update. This is Minister Kenneth Bryan. Remember, he mentioned last week that um, he would be traveling this week. And so he's going to give us a bit of an update on his travels and where he's at and what's going on. So we're just going to hang tight until he jumps in. He's a little bit tight, tight for time. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah. Um, so we'll wait. Let me just see. He's speaking, uh, this morning actually at a conference. So I am aware that um, he's going to be kind of joining us, I think, from the lobby area as he um, prepares to go and speak. So we'll give him a few minutes. All right, folks. Um, just checking a few messages. I don't want to deep dive into any other conversations until he jumps on because then we can... Uh, we can go from there. Good morning. Big shout out to David Ebanks over there at Prodigy. We've got Scott who always listens. We have two Scots who listen every single day, I know for a fact. But uh, Scott from Waffle Monkeys and Scott from the funeral home. And by the way, I got something to tell you all about the funeral home situation. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Um. Couple little announcements this morning that I think you guys will find interesting. And we can talk about those as well. Hmm. Super, super interesting. Good morning, Diamond Princess. Good morning to Louie joining us from Detroit. Happy hump day. Olivia is here. James is locked in from Canada. John Smith says good morning, CMR and Cayman. Ervalyn is here. Miss Lulu. Hello, Lulu Angel. Louie says, one, we're one big family. I was going to say we're one big happy family, but we're one big family. Dr. Tahir Khan joining us from Total Health. He says, a very good morning, Sandra. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for all the updates provided by you. You are most welcome. Malita is here, virtuous, Miss Vernita. Miss Joy from Texas. Miss Morna from Prospect. Uh, Richard from... Richard, I feel like you live, is it Prospect? Or is that the other Richard? That could be the other Richard. All right, wee wee, good morning. Emma's here. And Lily also joining us. 
Um, she's talking about these construction thieves, which we're going to talk about this morning as well. We got a lot to talk about. So I want to talk about the Cubans, construction thieves. They're just, I can't stand a thief. <laughs> Can I just tell you? I take personal offense, although it's not my stuff they're stealing. I'm just like, how dare you? Urgh. Ugh, thieves. You know how, it's so funny that we try to give them an excuse. Anyway, uh, thieves, Cubans, we're going to talk about the meeting last night and a few other tidbits. We're going to bring you guys up to speed. So if the minister doesn't join us in a few minutes, we're going to start talking about other stuff. Omeria, good morning to you. Richard is from West Bay. The best from the West. Good morning. Miss Beulah has also got it locked and tons of other people. Some of you sit here silent and you watch and you do not say good morning. And I'm going to tell you that's naughty. Everybody should be saying good morning. All right. So we also are going to talk about an incident that happened over the weekend um, in relation to um, a almost drowning incident at the Ritz. Crazy. But yeah, a child almost drowned. It's, that's. I think that's... There's so many nightmares that you have as a parent, but that's definitely at the top of your list that you go somewhere, you know, you take your child because we're surrounded by water and something like this happens to a child. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Jonathan, good morning. Yes. Floyd Mayweather is on island. Does anybody know him? He likes to throw around a lot of money, right? So I'm thinking, I mean, feel, feel me out here. Tell me what you guys think. I bet you he could throw a few million dollars away. <laughs> what do they call him? Floyd Money Mayweather? This man is, uh, he, he loves to throw around money. Mm. Sometimes I worry about his future. Because the day he's not making any money, as much as he throws it around, I'm just like, wow. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. But yes, Jonathan, CMR broke that news yesterday as well. Thanks to our astute um, viewers who are paying attention. And I tell you what, you guys are like little sleuths. I, I really love a good detective. And, uh, you know, you guys were on top of it. You were sending me photographic evidence of Floyd, <laughs> his private jet that he uses at the Orrin Roberts International Airport. And I could see our hangar in the background. And I was like, yeah, that's, uh, hmm, that, that looks like that's us. And then... There was a photo. Let me see if I can bring up the photos and show you guys real quick here. Then there was a photo of um, there was a photo of him hugging a uh, worker at the hotel. Now you know I knew that this was a hotel in Cayman. Let me tell you how astute you have to be. So hold on a second now. This is your detective skills at play. When I looked at the photo, I go, mm, I couldn't quite make out the, the sign, or his name tag, sorry. And I thought, maybe that's not K-Man. You know, you can't, you can't jump to any conclusions, right? Um, but then I said, oh, let, me, let me see if you can guess what gave it away. When you're, when you're self a gift certificate, online viewers, if you can look at this photo and tell me what gave it away. How did I know this was the Cayman Islands? Hold on. 
have a look at that. How did I know that that was here in Cayman? There's Floyd Mayweather. Any guesses? Let's see. Uh, Jonathan says he only throws around money at a strip club, and that's why we need one. <laughs> oh, Jonathan, you know, he's pro strip clubs. What is your 3G plan again? Yes, Jennifer, you're right. The carpet. You win yourself a gift certificate. Would you like a gift certificate? You got a choice. Waffle monkeys, Burger King, or Popeyes. What's up, me? But yes, that carpet at the Ritz, which they just changed out when they renovated the other day. Remember, they're doing a whole um, palm tree, thatch tree theme to be very Caymanian. Oh, God, I'm going to talk about Caymanianism this morning as well. So that that certainly gave it away. Absolutely. When I saw that, I said, oh, I know that carpet. The thatch palm mat. Yes. Jennifer says she'll take the Popeye's one. Girl, everybody loves a good fried chicken every once in a while. Yes, why not? It was the carpet for me. But of course, Floyd apparently has his own jet. So check this out. Um, this is it at the at the airport. Mayweather. You, you kind of can't miss it because it has his name on it. <laughs> That's when you want everyone to know. I own that jet. See, if that was me, I'd be flying incognito, child. I don't want nobody to know I'm here. I'd be under the radar, just walking around, minding my own business. You know, but he he's very, um, he has quite a personality. Let's put it that way. He likes to be known. So, yeah, there it is, right through our little fence. Everybody taking a picture, like, oh, my God, Mayweather's plane just landed because it says Mayweather on it. <laughs> Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Live your best life there, fella, until the money runs out. But hey, I'm not opposed to um, you coming and talking to me personally about, you know, investing in the Cayman Islands. I I, I draw, drive Floyd around and be like, you know, this is a good area. A little commission fee of, you know, escorting you from one location to the next. Um. So Nikki says that's my friend Jermaine who's bringing him around. What? Nikki. This is where now friends of friends really can help a situation. Um, hook, hook, hook up a friend. I'm over here. Like, I'd love to interview him. I would legit love to interview him. Be like, Floyd, do you ever think the money's going to run out because you do live this absolutely lavish lifestyle? And we've seen it before. And especially for athletes, it just doesn't bode really well in the end. What's your plan? What's your retirement plan? Uh-huh. Yeah, put him under some pressure, Joe. It's like some people in here, you know, they're complaining about um, what life is like in retirement right now. And uh, I'm like, you know, I, I do wonder when they were younger and taking all these lavish uh, vacations and that sort of thing. What was the plan? Do they have a plan? Were they concerned about anything at all? Were they putting anything away for a rainy day? You know, because uh, now they're complaining about the cost of salmon and steak. Hmm. I'm just saying the cost of living never goes down. I don't know about y'all, but I've never seen it go down compared to what it was in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. It only ever goes up. So you got to have some kind of viable plan. Yes, Brianna, it was definitely the carpet. Good morning to Miss Charlene. Jonathan says Larry Flint had an all black jet and everybody knew when he uh, came on Island. 
Mm-hmm. Um, who's the squad? Uh, Jonathan says, I wonder if Mayweather brought his Voltron squad. What is that? I don't, I don't know much about him except that he's a fighter and that he has, um, he is very free with his spending habits that I do know. And, uh, yeah. What else? He's a boxer, American boxer. Does he still box? I mean, he's 45 years old now, right? So, and he's actually a pretty small guy. He says he's only 150 pounds. So it's not like he's, maybe he bulks up for, for fights or something. Uh, so he has a team in the NASCAR Cup Series called the Money Team. Well, I guess that's an investment opportunity right there. All right. Well, welcome to the Cayman Islands, Senor Floyd. Enjoy your stay. It's one of the most beautiful islands in the Caribbean. But I do want to talk about this. I don't think the minister's joining us. It's already 743. I think he had somewhere to be at 8 o'clock because um, they're an hour ahead. So maybe he forgot about us. All right, let's move on. Yeah, we won't worry about it. So um, tourism has been in the forefront of my mind <laughs> because of this Mandarin project and so forth, right? And last night, I went to the community meeting. We actually live streamed it. So if you want to see it, it's on CMR's YouTube and Facebook page. Go check it out. Almost two hours. So remember Mr. Spencer came on the program yesterday? You guys had Spencer under some pressure last night, Jill. Oh, he's leaving today. Floyd Mayweather is leaving today. Um, apparently he was here for business. Mm. Yes, I hear you there, Floyd. This is a good place to do business. But, you know, as we continue to uh, talk about doing business in this region, it occurred to me last night when I heard some people making comments. Now, listen, I never pretend to have all the answers. I tell you guys all this all the time. Some days I feel really, really stupid. Like some days I feel like I don't know what's going on, <laughs> you know? Other days I have a little bit of moment. I feel like I should start drinking coffee um, because some days I'm like, oh, light bulb. I think I'm aware. Oh, the minister is here. Okay, minister, we were just about to jump into some other stuff. Good morning to you, sir. Uh, good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Cayman. Good morning, Cayman Road. Road. Uh, yes. I'm going to be super short with you this morning because uh, yes, the acting prime minister for Barbados. Yeah, about no to come to the grand opening, so we're just getting about to get started. Um, so it, it's it's an, a pleasure to, to talk to you guys this morning. I'm here in Barbados and Bridgetown. We're talking about uh, transportation and road safety um, in respect of small island states like the Cayman Islands. Um, great opportunity for us to to know what other jurisdictions are doing. A lot, a lot of specialists here explaining on what's the best ways to keep our roads safe as well as for a very effective and efficient transport service. Um, a little bit later on today, after the presentation by the acting prime minister, uh, Ms. Mia Mortley is not in town. She's out on, on global business, I would say. Um, so her, her deputy is in charge. Uh, she'll be giving a presentation. After that, I'm a part of a panel to discuss about ways to improve the road safety through transportation and what the limitations are by different governments. And some of the key things you hear about is the lack of infrastructure in many of the small island states. 
thank God for our blessings in the Cayman Islands. We have pretty good infrastructure, so that won't be one. But um, some of the things that you may hear at the conference today is the enforcement arm or the lack thereof. Um, also, keeping up with new international norms in respect to road regulations. Um, also, education of the public and road users, personal as well as private, um, that meaning um, public buses, tours, um, transportation vehicles by way of carrying goods and services, all of those types of things because safety should be the number one thing in respect to any transportation system in any economy. Um, if you think about an economy, it's always about the movement of either people, goods, or services. So once you have an effective transportation system in all of those areas, you have good growth in your economy. So we're going to be talking a lot about that. We learned a lot yesterday from the technocrats in respect to some of the skill sets necessary to, to strengthen our transportation system and our road system. Um, and we're going to continue that discussion today. Hopefully, um, a little bit of our contribution from the commands and what we've been doing will help our brothers and sisters in the region, and we can also learn from them. So that's the move today. I've also had an opportunity because I came in on Sunday night late um, to, to take advantage of one day before the conference to see their transportation system. I sent you some of the pictures uh, for the public to see in respect to checking out their, um, their electric buses. Um, pretty good setup. Um, could do with some improvements as they're only really starting out, so to speak, over the last two years is when they implemented it. Um, so they only got 40 electric buses. The rest of them are still uh, working on fossil fuels, unfortunately. Um, but you can see that they're committed to the long-term um, um, transition into um, ele fully electric. Um, but it's a very costly exercise. I was quite blown away when I was told that one of the buses was close to $500,000. Um, so if you just put 40 of those together, you got $20 million right there. Um, I need to confirm whether that was Bahamian dollars because that would cut it in half, but we'll be talking a lot more about that today because today is only the second day. Yesterday was a short one because it was the first day, but trying to understand what, what we're preparing ourselves for as a country because, as you know, the PAC administration is committed to transition into a new public transportation system as well as try to improve any other transport, whether it be personal or freight, um, to keep our roads safe. Um, we've had a, a number of unfortunate fatalities. So it's not only about public transport, but road safety as a whole. Um, unfortunately, my colleague, um, Minister Jay, couldn't be here due to the fact that we're in Parliament this week, so we couldn't have so many members away at one time. But I will um, try to digest as much of the dialogue and information as I can and to transfer to him and his team in respect to new things that were that, that is being done in the region and what the specialists believe that we should be doing. So that's a quick synopsis of what we're doing. Hopefully I will get some recordings of Bushan to send to Cayman Mall Road so we can share with the good people of the Cayman Islands. Well, we appreciate the update. Thank you very much and enjoy well, um, the second day of the conference today. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a wonderful morning. Okay, thanks too. All right, there you have it, folks. Uh, Minister Kenneth Bryan, Transport and Tourism. So I was telling you guys a little bit about, uh, well, I was starting to tell you a little bit about last night and some of the comments that I heard. <laughs> and uh, I was having a moment where I thought to myself, am I stupid or am I a little bit smart sometimes? Because some of the comments that I hear, I must tell you, 
that I am really shocked at the experts that we have amongst us. <laughs> Forgive me for being a little bit pernickety this morning, but some of y'all are just not as bright as you think. Except like me, that you don't know very much. This is a very big world and there's a lot to know. And so I'm not an expert in Maybe one, maybe I can claim a little bit of expertise here, there. Like I'm, I'm a jack of a few trades. But when I, when I hear people saying, we should be charging developers, this is what someone said. And no, no disrespect to this lady. I'm sure she meant well. But why aren't we charging the developers of these big projects um, an annual fee, right? That goes into offsetting. I think she said like their environmental footprint or environmental impact or something. And I'm like, don't we do that already? <laughs> we charge them. And she's like, you know, maybe it's like five, 10%. I'm like, we charge them a 13% tax room accommodation tax. When y'all use the word fees and you kind of just throw it around willy nilly. I'm like, is that a tax? Cause that's what it sounds like to me. That sounds like a, property tax? No, no, no. It's not a tax. It's just a fee. Mm, what's the difference in this instance between a tax and a fee? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a tax. <sighs> this jurisdiction claims to be tax-free, but I don't know what y'all are talking about. We got more taxes almost than Quaker has oats. Now, we don't have repetitive direct taxes. So we have like duty, AKA tax, when you purchase a property. And then there's no annual tax. And I said, you know, is it, is it the consumer's position in this community that they are happy to start paying property taxes? Cause that's how it starts. You think it's gonna, oh, just do the developers. Let's start with the big boys. And one day it's not gonna trickle down to you where you as a residential owner is going to be paying an annual property tax. Now, if y'all are happy with that, and maybe you are, maybe we have arrived, as Mr. Mickey has been arguing for about 50 million years now. Every time he calls in, Mr. Mickey says the exact same thing. We need direct taxation, people. That's the only way we're going to survive. How have we finally arrived at that point where everybody's accepting that we need direct taxation? Hmm. I mean, y'all tell me. So um, that's an interesting question or comment that was made last night that kind of made the hair in my back go, what did you just say? Ah, then I thought, you know, I think Caymanians sometimes think too much of themselves. I'm going to talk about this whole definition of a Caymanian here in a second. But sometimes we think too much of ourselves. Oh, this is the beautiful Cayman Islands. We can charge you at the wazoo. It's the most expensive place in the world to visit already as a tourist destination, practically, with very little in terms of natural resources to offer people. I mean, if you like the beaches, that's great. But there are lots of places who have much more beautiful beaches than we do have mountains, they have variety, they've got rivers, they've got, you know, in terms of natural resources, Jamaica is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Now there's other things 
that might make Jamaica a little bit less attractive, like safety concerns. But if you feel safe, they've got rivers, they've got mountains, they've got amazing cuisine, they've got super interesting people. You know, Caymanians, yeah, depending on who you get on that day, may not be the most interesting Caymanians. Um, there's there's a lot of culture. We're 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 a little bit uh, flat on culture. And so we want to continue to tax people even more. No, let's charge them some more money because we're just not, you know, they should be paying more. Tourists should be paying more for this experience. And at some point, the bottom is going to drop the hell out of your bucket. It's already dropping. TCI is already stealing our tourists. Literally. They're like, Cayman is too expensive. Yes, TCI is expensive but they're not pressuring us into paying this and that. And soon we're going to pay another fee in the came out. It's like, I want y'all to really think about the impact of some of the things that you suggest and you tell this government to take, you know, take on board. So 13% accommodation tax isn't enough. And that's a lot of money. You know what somebody said to me last night, who's in the know? What the Ritz-Carlton, and by the way, I'm going to talk about the Ritz a little bit later on. What the Ritz-Carlton pays on an annual basis in accommodation fee, and I'll, I will get you all the figures. I can't do it right now, but let me, let, let me just make a note here on my little notepad, my little Microsoft Office notepad. Hold on now, because I don't want to forget, because you know I'll forget easily. So I want to get some information on accommodation uh, tax, let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Room accommodation. And uh, I want to, I'll confirm how much some of the bigger properties are paying. I hear it's like $40 million a year or something crazy. So that money is more than what the government would receive from, say, a property like the watercolors, where you kind of sell it. You sell out the units. Obviously, you're paying stamp duty every time a unit sells, but then that's it. So you do have this. I think, you know, she was trying to suggest, oh, we need like an annual revolving, but it already exists. I'm like, what? Well, people had all sorts of positions last night that had me kind of like scratching my head a little bit. The other thing I found interesting was... um, Somebody said, us Caymanians, and they said it in the most British accent possible. And I was like floored for a minute there. I'm like, what? (laughs) Did I just get transported somewhere else? Us Caymanians are sick and tired of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. (sighs) When did you get your status paper? Oh, you're a Caymanian. I get it. I'm not trying to insult y'all this morning, but I must tell you, I was kind of like, pump the brakes. And using that term a little bit too loosely, us Caymanians. <sighs> Said, no, there, there goes my grandpa rolling in his grave. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the faces, let's just say that the faces were very, very mixed in terms of what was there. I didn't really see a whole lot of us Caymanians, but. You know, we're very diverse people now is all I can tell you. 
Uh, people are complaining about beach access because one of the major concerns is that they're going to lose beach access to that property. Now, I got to tell you, a Caribbean person said to me, she laughed and she said, listen, I come here every single morning and I've never seen 95% of the faces in this room ever at that beach. When, do, when are they coming? They probably don't want to get the seaweed, the sargasm in their toes. But yet they're talking about beach access. You guys are going to cut off us Caymanians beach access. And here's the irony of it. I mean, some of the irony of what was said last night was not lost on me as I made, sat there and just listened. Uh, the faces that I'm looking at again are not the people that if you go to the Ritz or you go to the Kimpton, which are the properties they claim they can't access, beach access, blah, blah, blah. Those are not the people that would ever be denied access to the beach. And yet they're the ones who are making a big deal about their beach and beach access. And are you going to be blocking us Caymanians in the beach? I, I kind of had a little cry me a river moment. Because, you know, I've been talking about beach access forever. Billy Adams and the West Bay crew has been leading a fight about beach access. I've never seen any of these residents living down in Beach Bay joining that fight. Oh, I get it. And now they're only concerned because it's in their little neck of the woods. And that's all. People are so selfish. I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But honestly, people are selfish. It only matters because now it's in Beach Bay. We don't care what was happening in West Bay Road, in West Bay. We don't care what was happening down by Mike Adams and his family with right-of-way access. None of that matters. But now that the Mandarin is moving in, we want to talk about beach access. I wanted to say to every single one of them, where have you ever gone in the Cayman Islands and been denied beach access? Because let me be very frank with you. The second you open your Caymanian lips and they hear that British accent or the American accent or whatever, they'd be like, oh, come and join us. You must be a guest at the Ritz. You would, you would get the red carpet. So I don't even know what these people are talking about, really, in like the real world. I was a little bit taken aback. I'm like, this is some straight up BS here. But anyway, let them have their arguments as to why they don't want it in their neighborhood. Beach access. Huh. Um, they were talking about noise, which is a concern, uh, both during construction and potentially afterwards. So the developer said that you know they have they've uh, they will be deploying, um, even in terms of like their generators and other things, um, noise efficient equipment and there will be in it contained in some sort of like a barrier where you don't really hear those types of, of noises. And I thought about it. I mean, noise pollution is, is a legit concern, but you know what I tend to hear in my neighborhood? I don't know about where you guys live. I'm just in a regular middle-class neighborhood, which I guess Beach Bay might be, I don't know how they classify themselves. And the noise pollution I tend to hear is that people having parties occasionally Thankfully, we don't really have that, you know, most of our neighbors are really respectful people. But, you know, you might hear the occasional party. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't personally hear a lot of noise pollution 
from people in this area, but normally when you talk to people, you know, that when people go to the uh, community meetings that NRA has been hosting, when they talk about noise, it's always, they're complaining about their neighbors making noise. They're not complaining about a hotel and noise that's coming from a hotel. They're like, no, it's like the neighbors, maybe the nightclub. If you live close to certain nightclubs on the seven mile strip and they go till two o'clock in the morning with their boom, boom music, you might be complaining about that. So that was a concern, noise, uh, beach access. And I think really people just felt like they weren't included in the process. And this was really, really interesting. Ms. Vernita says, preach it, Sandy. Yeah. Uh, Anthony says, accommodating that entitlement. I mean, I did hear a little bit of entitlement last night that made me go, wow, y'all need a reality check. You know what else sounded a lot like entitlement to me? is when they said there was some comment about um, like finance and money, right? Oh God, I can't remember exactly what it was now. But I thought to myself, as the person said it, uh, you know, about this this property coming in, it's gonna create jobs for Caymanians. Yeah, they were like, well, what's in it for me? That's, that's, the, self, that's the most selfish question I heard. What's in it for us in this neighborhood? So for, to hell with the rest of the Cayman Islands, we just want to know what's in it for us directly in this community. How do we benefit from this development? I think, damn, sometimes it's not about you, <laughs> honestly. Sometimes there's a bigger picture of how the community will actually benefit as a whole. So job creation benefits everybody. Like, I don't sit back and think when the economy is doing well and jobs are created, you know, I don't think, well, how is that going to benefit me? What do you put in my pocket? What, you know, what, what's the deal here? It's the entire island, the larger communities, the world community that's benefiting. It's not really about me personally. It's so bizarre. It really is really, really weird. And some of the things that people say, you get an idea that they've never struggled a day in their life to pay a single bill. Because they're like, we, we don't need this. We don't need the benefit of this. We don't need any more job creations. And I'm thinking, wow, really? That's because you've never been in a situation where you've been unemployed. Or struggled to pay that CUC bill, honey chill. It's easy for you to say that we, us Caymanians, don't need development. We don't need any of this stuff because you've never been in need. You don't need it. That, that's a selfish comment. Don't, don't talk about us Caymanians, whether we need something or not. You don't need it. And so this dialogue that this isn't gonna benefit the people of the Cayman Islands, I think is really, really super interesting. Yes, we have to ask the question, who are we building for and who are, we, who are we going to ultimately benefit with everything that we're doing here in the Cayman Islands? It should be the Caymanian people first and foremost. And then at one point, the minister, um, Chris Saunders, started to speak and he was saying, you know, he was there and uh, uh, Jay, Minister Jay Banks was there, MPs, um, Dwayne Seymour was there and Heather Bodden was also there. She sat outside and listened 
on the front porch. It was a good crowd. I would say about maybe 50 people or so, 50 residents, and then there was other people. Some people traveled all the way from the West, uh, West Bay. They came, they ventured out, crossed back. I was like, do you live in the area? They're like, no, I'm here. Cause you know, I was like, okay, nice. Good amount of people watching the live stream as well. And uh, the minister was saying, listen, the things that you guys are complaining about this project, first of all, it's a done deal. They, they got CPA approval. They went through the ringer. And, you know, Spencer's position, he was on the show yesterday. He's the developer for the program, Spencer Levine. His company, his family-owned business has been around for almost 50 years as developers. And he said, listen, I think that the people of the Cayman Islands should have some degree of comfort in knowing that the process works. That they were put through the ringer. DOE came back, put them through the ringer. CPA said, nope, you got to talk to DOE. You got to do this. You got to do that. And there have been some modifications that have been made uh, to the property as a result of that. So uh, when the minister started to speak, he said, listen, you know this rule that was passed years ago where they changed it in relation to who gets to object to a project? It's only if you're within, is it 300 feet? of the project or something like that. Um, you know, they were like, well, who changed that? You, government, government, government. And they're cussing the government. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes. I heard a lot of... It's like the smallest violin in the world was starting to play at that moment. And he's like, listen, subsequent governments made policy decisions. They changed laws and all this stuff, Right including the planning laws that made it harder for the entire community and the entire world to, um, to actually object to some of these developments. And on the one hand, I can see where that does make sense. I mean, if I live all the way in prospect, should I really be included in the group that is impacted by something that happens in Beach Bay? How, how far do you go in terms of allowing objections? It is a legitimate question. Maybe right now it's a little bit too tight with 300 feet or whatever it is, and it needs to be expanded back out, but it shouldn't really be worldwide, island-wide. You know, I mean, I think there has to be some fairness in, in that process as well. So they were cussing going on about the government, the government. He said, let us be very clear. It wasn't this government that did that. Y'all need to look at the progressive government who was in for eight years, and who made a lot of these changes, uh, Minister uh, Moses Kirkernel, um, former leader of government business um, and consultant, Mr. Tibbetts, uh, what's the first name? Kurt Tibbetts, Alden McLaughlin. I bet y'all wouldn't be pressuring Sir Alden McLaughlin, asking him no questions about what his government did because you haven't. And so the audience, and I want to be very, very clear, 50 people there, and it was like four people who, were, who had the most to say. Everybody else was very respectful and just there to listen. And I'm not saying those who were vocal were not respectful. So one guy wasn't. He left very early on. He was downright rude. And when he decided to leave, because apparently he couldn't control his temper, I was like, you know, we wonder why our kids in schools fighting and can't control themselves. This man had no control over it. And he had to leave. I was like, damn, dude. Thank you for, like when he left, I wanted to get up and start clapping. I was like, hallelujah, where's my hallelujah button? 
Praise the Lord. That's how I felt when this dude left. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Because I was even, you couldn't even appreciate what he was saying because he was so upset. And so I was like, dude, go back home and, and drink something. Drink yourself a hot tea and calm down. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway, he left early on because he, he just couldn't control his temper. I said, damn, what, what future do we have for our children? <laughs> we can't even sit up and, and have a conversation and, and share our feelings and opinions without getting so upset that you need to storm out like a little five-year-old. Not even my five-year-old does that most of the time. Sure. Anywho, um, you know, so <laughs> this person says to Chris, you owe us an apology for what the government has, the position that government has put us in. And I was like, hold on a minute. This honestly is when I had to step in. Now, I wasn't going to say anything because I don't live in Beach Bay and I can't pretend that I'm going to really understand maybe what some of their concerns are. Some are very general concerns and we all get it. But when she said that, I said, excuse me, I'm not trying to speak for the minister, but with all due respect, I do want to address this because this is something we talk about all the time in this program. You, the people of the Cayman Islands, elect donkeys to run the government. Let me be very frank here. When they make decisions, and some of them are smart donkeys. I'm not saying they're not smart. They're not lawyers. They're not qualified. But some of them do not have the acumen or the skill set that you want in a representative. They're busy out there lining their pockets financially. Mm -hmm. They're out there doing the most to put the people in a worse position. But you've elected them. Well, the last time in 2017, the progressives didn't have a majority and they still formed the government because that's the sense of entitlement that they have if we really want to talk about entitlement. They were prepared to do it again in 2021. Well, th thank the Lord that we protested and said, hell to the no. You're not going to do it again. So y'all were happy for Sir Alden, who has now been knighted for his foolishness to continue to run this country. And when all these decisions were being made, where were you the people in Beach Bay, in Prospect, in West Bay? Honestly, where do you guys live? You're not paying attention to legislation that is being passed. They're like, well, how do we object? Uh, all legislation goes through a process. Mm -hmm. And that includes public consultation right? Where you get, that's when you get to have a say, when you can call your MPs, you can lobby your MPs, you can write your MPs. So 90% of you are not paying attention at all. You don't listen to legislative assembly sessions. When we talk about stuff on this show, even, because let me tell y'all something. I plan to up the ante in terms of educating people, generally speaking, especially about what is happening politically. So y'all know that today is Wednesday. Y'all probably didn't know that they're back in parliament today. What's on the agenda? Speaking of which, they were supposed to send me the agenda this morning. Hold on now. Y'all just hold up. Hold on a minute. Where's my agenda? You see, I got to be chasing these people like I don't know why. Uh -huh. But that's because I care. How many of y'all ever asked to see an agenda for parliament? So when you jump up and go, well, how are we supposed to participate in the process? Well, there are opportunities there for you to participate, but the God's honest truth is you're losing out in those opportunities 
because most of you don't care and you're simply not paying attention. That's really what's happening. And so when they slide these little laws in and make changes, let me give you a perfect example of where this was done. And, you know, a lawsuit now is challenging what the previous government has done. Again, let's put the blame where it lies. This was Alden McLaughlin, the Minister of Health at the time. Uh, I know I've got physicians listening to the program. So this is the one about the, um, the two classes of physicians in the Cayman Islands. Uh, hold on now. Help, help me out here. I know, I know I got some people who are listening to this. Uh, because we did several interviews. We interviewed Mr. Ezard Miller. We interviewed um, Dr. Oh, he was head of the um, medical council. Oh, gosh, help me out here. Horrible with names sometimes. Those interviews are still online. Mm -hmm. So I want to say that this legislative change went down in 2019, maybe. Uh, doctor's Hospital just sued about this. Come on now, y'all Y'all not drinking your coffee this morning because you're a little bit late on the pickup. Doctor, uh, his name begins with an M. Mahanti, hold on, I think that's it. I'll tell you now, hold on. Let's just do a quick little search. Mahanti, I think. Mahanti, is that how he spells his name? No. Doctor... Uh, mm. So we did an interview with Ezard Miller. We interviewed, I want to say it was Dr. Mahanti, I believe. And um, all of this was in relation to this change that was coming down the pipeline. Yes? Y'all weren't paying attention or you didn't care. I'm not sure which one. But the problem is you can't come back after the fact and say that you care then. It just doesn't work that way, right? We did multiple articles on this. We did multiple interviews. Right? The government said basically they were going to change it regardless of what y'all thought because you missed the consultation process. And the Minister of Health, you know, I don't know who was lobbying him and exactly how this went down. So this was 2020, February 2020. I just found the interview with um, Ezard Miller. It says a few weeks ago, we spoke to um, Dr. Mahanti about uh, some serious proposed changes to the health practice law. And now we were receiving confirmation from Northside MLA Ezard Miller and what exactly was adopted at the end, in the end, and how it will impact the people of the Cayman Islands. So multiple articles, multiple interviews, 
the changes went through anyway. And now those changes are legally, constitutionally being challenged. And Doctors Hospital actually won against the government. Are the people really paying attention? That is my question to you this morning. You know, when it's too late, it's too late. Then what? I mean, I just, I do not get it. So she wanted an apology from Chris Saunders. Yes, this was January 31st of 2020 when we interviewed Dr. Mahanti. 33 minutes and eight seconds. I'm going to share the link for y'all because y'all probably still don't know what I'm talking about. Right? Oh, um, I see some of your comments. I'm going to get to those in a second. So I uh, wanted an apology for Chris Saunders for what the previous governments had done. And I'm like, who, do you, who, do you, who are you blaming for this? Surely you must take some accountability if y'all keep voting the same people in who you're not happy with. Go ask Sir Alden for an apology. That's what y'all need to do this morning. Because when she said that, I chuckled. And I, I stepped in and said, hold on a second here. This is where we, the voters, need to take some degree of accountability. If you keep electing certain people, what do you expect? They have, they have demonstrated. Demagogues. Nobody's going to stop me from building a project but God. Mm -mm. I will sink this country with debt. I'm going to do what I want. That's the type of underlying attitude of some of your elected officials. They don't listen to you. They don't care what you think. They've made it abundantly clear through their actions that that is their position. I thought, who apologizes for the actions of somebody else? Oh, maybe this is like the whole slavery thing, right? When we make that argument. Your ancestors had my ancestors enslaved, so you need to apologize for that. Well, okay. <laughs> Are you directly involved in that? You know, at some point it does become a little bit of a nonsensical argument. Like if it's not my behavior, how can I be held accountable for what my ancestors did? Now, if I'm continuing to perpetrate at, at any level, the prejudices holding people back because of just the color of their skin or whatever, then that's, that's obviously a very different situation if you're part of the problem. But this government is saying, we're trying to fix stuff. We're trying to undo certain things in terms of putting the environment first. The first government ever to have a ministry of sustainability because the premier is passionate about that. They're one year in, but y'all expect miracles. They can't change and fix everything in a year or God forbid, even four years. But I would challenge the lady who wanted an apology from Chris Saunders to go to Alden McLaughlin and demand your apology from him and see what his response will be to you. 
Good morning, Athena. Marshall is here. I'm sorry if I'm dropping some truth bombs. You may or may not like it. That's all right. Flashpoint says Cayman needs to constantly remind the world that this is not a tax-free location. We pay significant amounts of indirect taxes. Let's just call it taxes, indirect or not. You know, my aunt used to say, Aunt Lottie, you know her and her pearls of wisdom. She was a simple woman, but she had some common sense, God darn it. Aunt Lottie used to say, you know, Sandy, here in the, what she called me, Sandra. She used, to, she used to drag, the accent dragged her words a little bit, kind of Southern. She said, you know, in America, you walk on the sidewalk and you're paying for it. And I was like, what? She said, you pay for everything. Nothing in this country is free. And I was like, wow, really? She said, nope, you're paying for it in some form or another. You know what else she used to tell me about money, that American money? She said, you see that ball eagle on that dollar or $20 or whatever it was? And Lottie says, money flies. <laughs> she said, you might not know it, but once you get it in your hand, it flies. I was like, yeah, I hear you now. So uh, Ms. Brenda says a moratorium on development is what we need, not taxes, fees, or duties. A moratorium on development. So you want to stop development and then not have any taxes, fees, or duties? So the money that is injected and the job creations that are injected from development, you're going to offset how if you put a moratorium on development? Somebody needs to explain that to me because I don't get it. Miss Vernita says we value ourselves too low. In some instances, that's true. But on the world stage, you need to be realistic about what your value is. And the truth of the matter is we value ourselves too high. Right now, we are sitting on room stock. The hotels are refusing to budge, from what I understand. Y'all know I talk to people. I talk to industry people. And so I just discovered that the hotels are refusing to budge on their pricing because they're like, nope, we're, we're, we're worth it. And so they got a lot of empty rooms that are worth it right now. <laughs> Meanwhile, TCI, like I said, is bragging about the highest numbers that they've experienced in tourism. There's a little bit of truth in a lot of different things. There are times when we might be valuing ourselves too low and there are times that we're valuing ourselves too high. Especially when you look around the world and you see what people can get and what the market will bear. Uh, Jonathan continues to push for his 3G plan, his G3 plan. He says, we don't have much here. So like you said, we need to start uh, doing so much more to get that tourist dollar. He says our entertainment scale is flat. So Ms. Brenda says Jamaica isn't just beautiful. They market their people and culture and something your tourism representatives can't understand or don't want to accept. And I do think that some of it, um, some of it happens. But am I going to be honest with you this morning? 
Yes. How much Cayman culture is there to really market? There's only so much thatch baskets you can watch somebody make. There's only so much quadrille dancing. Pirates, that, that's part of our history. I guess we celebrate that too at Pirates Week. What else is Cayman culture? The food. So we have a couple culinary experiences that happen on an annual basis. What, what else are we promoting? We don't want to promote any of the negative stuff. So the school fights, the gang violence, gang shootings, all that kind of stuff we don't really want to promote, right? Because tourists kind of don't want to know about that stuff. So Maria says, what fees do developers pay? The guests pay the 13%. Developers actually pay a lot of money in different types of stamp duties. They're bringing in equipment, import duties. You know that customs uh, is one of the few people that make money, right? They're one of the few money-generating sections of government. Stop construction. Stop development. No building supplies coming in. No duties to be paid on those building supplies. Thousands of jobs lost. So when a, when a project goes up, there is a direct benefit to the government coffers by way of duty. And that's why I'm in agreement that when it comes to these developers getting stamp duty waivers, because, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, this is going to benefit your economy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I do believe in paying to play. And if you want to come, you pay the stamp duty. In very extreme cases, should we ever be considering, and I don't care if it's a Caymanian developer or not, because somebody was saying this to me last week. They said, Sandy, the God's honest truth is the people who benefit from a lot of the waivers are Caymanian developers, but Caymanians don't want to talk about this. They don't want to admit this. We have a lot of Caymanian development companies out there. And they get a lot of waivers. They're the ones who can sit down with a politician because they grew up together as friends and be like, yeah, let me get this waiver. And, da, 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 da. and how are they helping? Yes, we make demands on the foreign, foreign investor, foreign inward investors. You need to be creating jobs. Look at your own Caymanian people who develop neighborhoods and all this kind of stuff. Listen, you go and you see who they're using as subcontractors. Hardly came out in, in the bunch. These are your own people. Right? They are requesting stamp duty waivers on all sorts of stuff. So are we going to have separate and unequal systems here? Or are we going to apply the same rules to everyone? Does Cayman want to acquire a reputation of being unfriendly towards foreign investors? Because it seems to me like we need to adopt some unfriendliness towards our own investors, our own Caymanian people. Because some of them have been in business for years and they don't give nothing back to the community. I'm telling you. But lo and behold, when somebody like a dart comes in, y'all like, oh, 
he got so much money and he got this and he got that. Yeah, but he also does stuff like puts in parks and, you know, supports the Blue Iguana programs. Wh which Caymanian business owners are doing things like that? I'm just asking. Y'all don't need to get upset with me today. I'm just saying. Show me one Caymanian developer who has built a park and maintained it in the Cayman Islands. And some of y'all are so nasty. My friend was saying this to me last night. He said, Sandy, I'm a little bit torn about the whole beach access because sometimes I can understand why these properties don't want certain Caymanians on their beaches. Because y'all so nasty. You go there with your garbage. You camp out and you leave the garbage out there. That's why during Easter camping time, remember we covered that too? Dart has properties all over the place. A lot of it beachfront and whatever. It's not in use by him at the moment, but it's still owned by the Dart organization. They've now taken to supplying you, the campers, with a, a porta potty so you can stop pooping in the bushes with your human dec uh, decrement that is decrement. That's not what I'm looking for. What's the word I'm looking for? Feces, basically, that's going into the water table in the bushes. I just had a mental freeze in that word. Right? You're polluting. You leave all your plastic waste everywhere. Y'all have some nerve at some level talking about the impact of the big developers on the environment. Because the real impact is the everyday person who doesn't care about polluting their environment, who creates dumping sites in our neighborhoods in East End, Northside, Bodentown, Lower Valley. All they need is one little empty lot and all of a sudden they start dumping old mattresses, rodents running all over the place because y'all are so nasty. You go to a public beach, there's a garbage 10 feet from you, or not even, two feet, and you can't put your garbage in the bin. It ends up on the floor, on the ground, in the ocean. And y'all want to talk about, well, these developers need to do better with their environmental impact. How many of y'all are recycling? I'm guilty of this. I'm not recycling my cans. I don't even know where I would go and drop them off, but I'm just saying. But you see the double standard, you want to hold certain people to a certain standard that you yourself will not be living up to. Hmm? I'm just curious about how the brain kind of works. So my friend was saying to me last night, yeah, I could see why some people who, you know, their properties are joining public beach, they're like, oh, these people come here with the loud music and the, the Miss Jean, camping out next to the governors for months at a time. Put all your crap on the beach. What an eyesore. Mm -mm -mm. Y'all not easy. Speaking of Miss Jean, let me just say this and then we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna leave her be, but you know, she came on the program and with her hard luck story and all kind of foolishness. Well, I told you her daughter was supposedly working at Hurley's. Well, she didn't keep that job for long. Only God knows what happened. And uh, she has a record, I think at least eight convictions for theft. She got sticky fingers. So you hire this young lady, don't put her anywhere near anything that she can steal. And so um, she's been applying for jobs recently. 
And you know, Aunt Lottie always used to say, if a person's a thief, they're a liar. And if they're a liar, they're a thief because they go hand in hand. Dishonesty offenses. So her daughter now is going around. Remember we featured her because she went and came out of Bay and stole stuff from the NKY store with some other people. So she's going around applying to jobs and on the application saying that she has no criminal record. <laughs> Kim is too small for that, honey gel. Stop your lying. You'd be better off saying, yes, I have a criminal record. I've made some mistakes in my life and I'm trying to turn a, a different leaf. Right? Honesty is the best policy. Try it on. Let's take a little break here. HSA has a message for you. At the HSA, we know that your time is a precious resource and want to help you spend it wisely. Avoid the wait and request your prescription refills through our website, WhatsApp, or by calling the pharmacy. Use our delivery service if you are vulnerable, elderly, or a civil servant, or pick them up the next day. Your secure health records are at your fingertips with our My HSA Patient Portal and Healthy Life app. Our nine locations throughout all three islands make receiving quality care simple and convenient because your time matters to us. All right, folks. Um, I've got a couple other little stories here I need to share with you all this morning. But anyway, interesting meeting. Go check it out, folks, is what I would suggest. Now I want to talk, since we're talking about thieves, um, apparently Floyd Mayweather has left already. That was a quick trip. In and out. Wow. So someone says, ask how many are aware or even care that Crown Land, currently worth $100 per square foot, was sold for $6.18 per square foot. Oh, I have, a re I have some information on this. Um, I'm still trying to put it together, but I do have some information on that. And it's not quite as straightforward as it looks. Uh, so Anthony says, precisely proven to be beneficial on many levels. Take the bull by them horns. Now, Flashpoint, good morning. Says, what is a Caymanian? I no longer know what or who a Caymanian is. Well, the, it, is, it has expanded over the years is all I can tell you. Um... So Michael says, one of the nice things about that beach was not too many people used it. Loads didn't even know that it was there. Well, I used to go there many, many years ago. I used to take my dogs there for a little swim. Um, so Miss Brenda says, well, Sandra, they'll certainly hear them when they speak. The powers listen. Mm-hmm. Anthony says, we're accommodating that entitlement. Miss Renita said, preach it. Good morning, Scott. Nathina says she's rolling her eyes this morning. Show some days. Uh, Marshall says that's how it normally works. If it's not in my backyard, why should I worry? Now that it's in your backyard, I'm going to show up and uh, what is that word? And make some noise, maybe is what you meant to type. I'm not sure. Catherine said guilty for the accent, but we always seem to get moved when we visit certain places. Mm -mm -mm. So Moya says the funny part is that these hotels come in and they say that they're creating jobs for Caymanian, but when they look at the employment chart, the only jobs that Caymanians hold are housekeepers roles. We'd like to see Caymanians um, in every single role. Well, so would I. And we've talked about this before, how sometimes Caymanians just don't even show up to the job. The other day I was, uh, 
can't remember who I was talking to about this, but they were saying that they'd hired a Caymanian, uh, medium-sized business. They said the first week he showed up, second week started calling sick, and by the third week he wasn't showing up at all. And um, I can't remember what the role was now, but they're like, oh, I'm trying, trying again, trying to find another. Oh, I think it was, uh, yes, now I remember who I was talking to. This person says it's such a struggle sometimes to hire and find Caymanians who actually like legit want to work. Mm-mm-mm. So um, as Brenda says, it doesn't matter which government makes the laws, any sitting government can change them. Why defend them by blaming others? Well, it's not about, first of all, it's not as easy as that just to change a law. And the, the idea that we would sit down and change every single law that a previous government made, I think is problematic. You have to put blame on where blame lies. And yes, you should be blaming people who have screwed things up just because it can be fixed by the current government. They would get nothing else done if all they did was fix the mess up of, of previous governments. You know why you blame the correct people in life? Because that's how you learn to stop electing the wrong people to begin with. It's about accountability. People keep doing crap to mess things up and you reward them by not even blaming them. Of course you should blame them. That's, that's, that's like, that's like, I'm going to have a child. I'm never going to chastise them. Never give them any, any wrong or any blame because we can fix it. No, there's a lot of things that can be fixed in life, but fixing things is not the appropriate thing to do. The appropriate thing is to avoid it to begin with, to hold people accountable so that they know that when you do crap, you're going to be held accountable instead of the mentality that, oh, you can just fix it. Somebody else can fix your mess. Some messes can't be fixed at all, or they can't be easily fixed. Morning, Miss Lucille. She says, I'm listening to you carefully. You make me laugh. <laughs> I said before, and I'm saying again, so the father, so the daughter, do not care. Where is Jerry? I want to hear her voice this morning. I love, oh, Jared, I love his talk. And you all uh, take care. Thank you so much, Miss Lucille. Jared is always there listening somewhere. Uh, Matrix says, what a contradiction. One minute it's we don't want development. The next minute is we need jobs. Well, we need sustainable um development. There's no two ways about it. Matrix always says, also says paying attention requires effort. Moaning and bitching is a lot easier for those type of people. Well, you know what? I, I guess we all do that from time to time. But the thing is, what I find interesting is when people are moaning and what they're saying, what they're actually saying, when you really, 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 really listen, is not making any sense. Sometimes you got to be able to pick the sense, the sense out of the nonsense. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's move on. Cubans. Uh, let's, let's talk about the thieves first, and then we'll get to the Cubans protesting. 
So, um, Blair Anthony says a continuous, it wasn't me, makes no sense. They change what they like or the nonsensical excuses. Well, my point again is, do you want your elected government to sit back and change everything? Is that what they're going to spend the next four years doing and making no real headway? They've implemented some, some things that have been extremely um, useful already. And one of the things that the government said is this, under their watch, they have granted zero concessions, duty concessions to developers. And that's since they've been in over a year. You know, at the end of the day, I say, if you want to come to the Cayman Islands, there is, there is a price you pay to play. And so I don't even know why these people come here and they want to put up this, these fabulous developments, but then they don't want to pay the price to get it done. I do feel a way about that. So Jonathan is talking about the traffic. Oh, yes, the traffic was another thing that that uh, they brought up, the traffic up and down Beach Bay Road, which is definitely an understandable concern. But it also occurred to me, what about the fact that there will be people living in this area who don't have to join that traffic anymore because they could potentially be working gardeners, property, man, um, you know, managers within the facility. They could actually be working at the facility and not having to join traffic to go into town or to West Bay Road. So it has the potential, and this will come down to, I mean, to be very clear, the developers are separate from the Mandarin management who will actually be managing the property, right? But this is where we have to hold them accountable. So that when the facility opens, they better be hiring Caymanians. And those of you who work in this area, Think about the benefits of not having to get in your car and drive 45 minutes into town every morning. There are people who live and work in East End who work at Moritz and they don't leave East End, Chow. During the weekend, they might venture out. Lavana, good morning. Are you working today? She's always working. She's a business owner and she works for Cayman Rays for 20 years now. El Rey, no. No concessions. Maria um, says, I'm talking about the infrastructure, like sewage and garbage. I think I missed the first part of that. Mm, they're not getting any concessions. So not every developer gets a concession. Um, Miss <laughs> Lucy says, good morning, Miss Urich. That was my father's name. I said it before and I'm saying it again. So the father, so the daughter. Now, let me be very, very honest here. Obviously, Miss Lucille seemed to have really known my father. Um, he had some not so good traits either, like all human beings. You know, everybody, everybody has something, chill. Uh, Levana says Jamaican hospitality is top notch and their staff are all local. It makes a big difference. I find that a lot of times when I've traveled to other Caribbean islands, that is the face of their island. 
So, um, local contractors don't get work. Well, a lot of local contractors do. And then some of them, you know what they turn around and do? They don't pay their foreign staff. Local contractors, we've seen it on, on the show, get the business. They're hiring not locals, but foreign staff. And then they're taking advantage of their staff and not paying them because they are foreign staff. And those are Caymanian owned businesses. Y'all remember Mr. Clint Groves, the accusations that the guys from Honduras are making about him? Bringing them here during COVID, had them, you know, go through this whole process of being in isolation at the time. And then when they're here, like, oh, we don't need you anymore. You're on your own, being stuck and stranded in this country. El Ray says that he'd rather the Caymanian developers get the concessions versus the foreign developers who usually have the deeper pockets and resources. Yeah, but then you, ex you have no expectations of your Caymanian developers? That's all I'm asking because I want y'all to look at, at their contributions and really hold them to that same scale as well. All right, so let's move on. Um... Shannon says that she wants to agree about the garbage that she spent the morning at a commercial building, picking up a bag full of garbage. I pick up other people's garbage because I love my Island. The disgusting Caymanians left their garbage. Uh, like they didn't care about our Island's environment. Most of them don't care. Strong Will says, good morning, Sandy. Uh, look beautiful. Talk true. That's why I love you. You don't give a shit. It's just the facts. <laughs> Um, I do, you guys know that in the mornings I wear a little filter. This is, this is modern technology that keeps me looking glowing. And I'm happy to admit it, that I don't have to get up in the morning and put on foundation and mascara because modern technology, I, I do the lips. The lips are the only thing that I have to do with this filter. Mm. All right. So um, we have some thieves among us. So I want to talk about this, Daniela says, say it louder, Sandy, concessions for the millionaires is BS. Um, right. We have some thieves among us. But before we talk about the thieves among us, can we talk about the good people? Uh, Helios says, if you want to talk about thieves, how about you uncover the story about the expat Stephanie St. John, who stole hundreds of thousands of dollars from her employers, local commanded businesses. <clears throat> well, um, has she been arrested? Has she been charged? Uh, Helios says that she's single-handedly crushed uh, businesses. So that means that she's been reported to the police, right? And she's been arrested? She's in court. What are the facts? All right. So last week, uh, I told you guys she's on bail. Okay. Well, we will certainly put her on our must-watch list for the court's office. And once her case progresses, then we'll take it from there. Everybody's innocent until proven otherwise. And trust me, some, some guilty people are getting away with stuff because, well, they have decent lawyers or the jurors are just, jurors can be very pernickety. They let anybody walk sometimes. Um, so last week, a guy lost $150. This was an amazing story that was developing right up until, 
after the show on Thursday. I know we were trying to call him, I think, on Thursday's show to let him know his money had been found. Anyway, we reached out to him later on. He was so happy. Jamaican fella, he's been in Cayman for 30 years, works at the prison. He said, Sandy, this is why I love the Cayman Islands. He said, honestly, nowhere else that I've ever traveled in the world, including Jamaica, could I lose $150 in an envelope and ever hope to get it back? So let me tell y'all how the story went. Because remember Thursday during the show, this woman was messaging saying, um, my husband found the money. So on Wednesday, the money went missing. The guy said, listen, I was in Caymanian village. I got out of my car. I think it just fell out. Uh, I called some friends over in the village and I said, um, can you go outside and have a look? Maybe it's still on the ground. They said, nope, we don't see it. Okay. By Wednesday night, when we hadn't, we posted it up. The white envelope had the word Mason on it, posted it up. By Wednesday night, I got to tell you, I was like, mm, he's not going to find this money. So I thought, well, you know, it's unfortunate, but sometimes this happened. I've, I've lost an envelope of money. It was even my money. I went in the bathroom on Eastern Avenue and left it there. And by the time I realized and turned back, some thief had taken it, didn't turn it in. So um, I was a bit surprised when someone messaged to say my husband found the money. I was like, wow, Cayman really is an amazing place on so many levels. So I called the guy. He was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. He said, let me give you the full story now. So he was doing some renovations at home, had taken out this money to pay some of the workers, had put written the word Mason on it or Mason or whatever. He said, you know, it's not a lot, but it's what I had allocated to pay these guys. And if I didn't have that money, I would have to now go into my daughter's graduation fund, like her money for her gown and all this kind of stuff, and take out of that. Everybody's budgeting these days, you know? So he's like, I can't believe it. Now, the guy who found the money called me. He doesn't want to be named because, you know, Caymanians don't like too much attention. But he said, you know, Sandy, I was there. I found this money. I picked it up. I put it in my pocket. Forgot about it. Went home. Took it out and said to my wife, hey, honey, I found this money. She said, oh, my God, that's on Cayman Mall Road. And he's like, what? And he said, you know, the first thing that came to me, Sandy, is, you know, he, he's in need of money himself. Everybody's in need of money. But he said, if I lost $150, I would have never contacted you for $150. I'm going to be honest. I would have been like, oh, well, lost $150. He said, for this person to contact Mall Road and ask for the money to be posted means they really needed this money. And he did not think twice in that moment about doing the right thing. And his wife reached out. And I said, that's amazing. So I gave them each other's numbers, whatever. They linked up. And then the prison guy calls me. He's like, you're not going to believe it. I know this guy. I said, hmm, such a small world. Isn't Cayman beautiful? It's stories like that that remind me of what a wonderful place we live in. Back in 2019, remember the guy who lost a bag with over $10,000 cash. Do y'all remember this Jamaican fella? We interviewed him. And as it turns out, this was days after, I mean, poor guy, he was crying over that money. 
I never thought in a million years that this was, we were just getting started with posting lost stuff on, on Game and Mall Road, I got to tell you the truth. And I never thought, this was August the 19th, the day after my birthday, 2019. I'm out there interviewing this poor fella over at uh, Radio Cayman because Miss um, Anita, he went over there at Radio Cayman to ask people if they found it. And she said, you know where you need to go? Go to Cayman Mall Road. And we did an interview. And within days, this money was found. The entire bag, $10,000. Was it um, U.S.? Yes. Passport, jewelry, travel documents. So he lost it on the Saturday. And I can't remember what day the 19th was, but it was like a couple of days later. And the money was recovered. I was, oh my God. I'm like, really? Some Filipino guys who were going out fishing early in the morning because he had put it up on top of the car and it fell off in the vicinity of Kostulas. They found it and they were just holding on to it, I guess, for safekeeping. And when they saw his plea and they saw this video, they came forward and they're like, we have his bag of money. I thought to myself, wow, not a dime was taken. In fact, he was trying to give them some reward and they refused to take it. They said, no. We have some really good, honest people in this community. Every single day, almost. People lose phones. I'm surprised y'all don't lose your children. I got to be honest, because you do lose a lot. <laughs> uh, people are losing phones. They lose money. They lose, you know, wallets, passports, driver's licenses all the time. And the vast majority of people do the right thing. Mm -mm -mm. It restores my faith in us as a people, as an island, the community. Hmm. You know, the whole nine yards. So when I hear about dishonest people who don't do the right thing, you know, they get a little bit extra spotlight placed on them. Over the weekend, horrible to say, just yesterday we reunited uh, a lady with her bag that was lost uh, earlier, May the 6th. The guy found the bag and driver's license, everything, the little wallet. Last night, guy lost a Mercedes key. They reached out. Person said, hey, I think I have the key for the Mercedes. Because you know how expensive it is to replace a Mercedes key, chill. Probably like $1,000. So now the, the key has been reunited with the correct owner. So over the weekend, when uh, Minister Turner reached out and said that some people had stole some plywood, 24 sheets of plywood from her constituency office, I thought, oh, my God. Yes, Jess says even rings. Yeah, we find jewelry, all kind of stuff. 
I was like, who steals plywood? And then I thought about it and I said, actually, we have heard these stories before of people stealing equipment from work sites. Sometimes they're stealing the workman's equipment. And then other times they are stealing what's in the house. I had a cousin years ago who was building her house in, I think that was Prospect. Put in the appliances. They went and stole every single appliance. Now, you know, that probably went out in some ship show because that happens. There are people who are stealing stuff and shipping it off island to other jurisdictions. And so I always say, yep, they're stealing boats. I always say, listen, if you see someone sending stuff, exporting stuff, they should be able to produce a receipt for it that you can verify because that does happen. The pawn shop be popping off for people who are stealing stuff. And it's really hard when you work hard and you're trying to build a little something for yourself. And then someone comes and feels like they're just entitled to it just because they can take it. They roll up to your property with obviously a truck and probably more than one person and steal your plywood. 24 pieces of plywood that wasn't moved by one person. That's at least two people and a vehicle, a big truck. Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. The worst part of the story is, oh, Andrea says you can't put any equipment in containers anymore without paper receipts, without papers and receipt. Oh, good. (laughs) Because at the time I was like, uh, why is that even possible? Well, I'm glad to hear that that loophole has been closed. Good. So um, the worst part of this story is the plywood was actually for an addition that she's putting on to her MP office, which is going to be like a little stage area with, you know, covered for the free summer camp that she's putting on this summer that's going to benefit the children in Prospect whose parents can't afford to send them to camp, which is probably going to be a lot of people. So the registration process, I think, opens up this week for that. You can imagine. You go to an MP's office and you steal plywood that was actually going to benefit the community, the children in the community. Plywood that was purchased from private funds, donations from people, and from the MP's private money. Y'all not using There's a lot of honest people in the world, but there's those one or two that make it bad for everybody. Who does that? Thieves among us. It's disappointing. So now she has to find the funds and try to replenish. So there was um, 34 pieces in total. They left 10. They're probably planning on going back. I told her to install her cameras real quick. It's sad to say, but, you know, we all need cameras around the place, honey, chill. Last year, I think it was, 
there was a, or maybe it was the year before there was a development going in, in our neighborhood behind us. And, um, a guy that we know he's our plumber. He came to us cause he was doing the plumbing and on those homes. And he said, uh, I'm wondering if your camera might've picked up who stole my what piece of equipment was it again? Um, I can't remember if it was a generator. It was something that he was using on the job site. I was like, really? That's a thing? Yes, people go around stealing construction tools and equipment. So I had to think about it and I said, maybe y'all need to start putting air tags on your stuff. Have you heard the whole thing about the security thing with air tags? And how they're actually a bit of a security risk now and people are being told to be very, very careful with air tags because like anything else in the world, people take something good, something that is meant to help people and use and abuse it for something just completely wrong. Have a listen to this. Good afternoon, everyone. Marco Ricciardi from 22 Division Toronto Police. I'm uh, here with my partner, Tom Balaga. We're here to talk about a new uh, product or fairly new product. It's been about a year in, in, uh, in the market. And uh, it's about the Apple AirTags. And these little things here are being used to mark a vehicle. And what the thieves are doing is that they're walking around, they're shopping outside in the parking lot here. And what they're doing is that when they find a car that they like, they stick these to the car or place them on the car somehow. And uh, they're magnetic. So as you can see, uh, it'll stick to metal. So um, it could be hidden behind a license plate. It could be hitting in the trailer uh, hitch receiver or even in a gas tank uh, cap area. And uh, once you go home, they just track their device uh, to your driveway and then uh, when you're sleeping comfortably they come and steal your car or truck so what we want to let you know is uh, some of the things to do to prevent this from happening so I'm gonna start with iPhone users if you get a notification saying that there's an air tag near you uh, what you can do is the you can use the location service of your phone to pinpoint the proximity of the uh, air tag and then once you have that air tag you can disable it if there's one of these on your vehicle, I uh, recommend that you call your local police department and the, uh, the officers will come seize it. Uh, this little shiny uh, part here and this little plastic part, uh, we could possibly get fingerprints off it and know who's been putting this on your car. Um, you uh, can also deactivate it uh, by just twisting it and pulling the battery out. The only thing that's in here is a simple watch battery. The battery on these last anywhere from six months up to one year. Um, of trackability so to help other people that are using non-apple phones uh, Apple created an Android version of an app called tracker detect and what it does is if an Apple AirTag is around you for more than 20 minutes uh, you can download this app and you can scan the area that you're in to see if one of these has been dropped into your pocket into your purse uh, stuck to your car and after that 20 minute period has elapsed, the app will pick up because of the Bluetooth um, uh, frequency that it uses. And then you can zone in on the tag and locate it. What you can also do is you can purchase your own tags and put them inside your property so that you can track it back. Uh, also, 
there's many other things that we can do to prevent your vehicle from uh, being stolen, uh, along with lights and cameras and everything else. Get something visible, get a visible deterrent. So either get a steering wheel lock that either blocks your steering wheel from side to side or something that goes over your dash so you can't actually turn the steering wheel. Get an OBD2 port blocker which is uh, the onboard diagnostic port uh, that's used to connect to your car, get a blocker for that, or you can actually relocate it in your dash somewhere else. Get a professional to do that if you can't, uh, if you don't know what it, how to do it yourself. And then uh, lastly, uh, start covering your VIN at night while your vehicle is parked in the driveway. Not all thefts or all vehicles require that, but if you're not sure, cover it anyways. Just make sure you can remove that yourself. When asked, uh, let's say by a police officer, if you ever stopped, you could remove that. Or even if you come to the mall, just cover your VIN so then that way it makes it harder for thieves to steal your car. So what I would suggest if um, there's a lot of information here, do a search online regarding Apple AirTags, Samsung uh, Smart Tags, and uh, at GPS tracking devices to see how you can use that for your benefit. You can also learn how people are using it uh, for their benefit. And um, I wanna say thank you. Thank you for following us. Thanks for watching and uh, have yourself a great day. All right, folks, so that's a warning from uh, the Toronto police, but I can tell you this is an issue all over the world. Apparently, air tags, which are meant to uh, be a very, very useful toy, toy, not toy, tool, <laughs> um, you know, are now being, uh, listen, they can be used for anything. You can tag anything pretty much. Um, you know, they're used to act as like a key finder, helps you find your personal items. So you can shoot. I think they need to be putting them on dogs. As many dogs disappear around the world and all over the place. Air tag your husband because he might go missing too. Uh, so this is good technology. <clears throat> but of course, the criminal mind is always thinking, "Ooh, how can I use this to track people? And this is this can be really scary when you think about it, because someone might be tracking you not just to steal your vehicle, but to actually do other types of harm to you, which is kind of scary, right? Uh, yeah, El Rey, you're, that's what I'm thinking. He says stalkers use them too. Oh my God. So Apple has already come out with um, some sort of, you know, sort of anti-tracking uh, or something to let you know that you're actually being tracked. Apple moves to stop AirTag tracking misuse. You know, it's, it's almost like they should have thought about this at the time that they created it, because it seems to me like it's a little bit of, it, it, you could expect this to happen. Mm -mm -mm. AirTag is linked to your Apple ID. I don't have an AirTag, so I don't know how you link it, but you can get a notification now. And it says, using an AirTag to track people without their consent is a crime in many regions around the world. And AirTag is intended solely to track items that belong to you. So you can get, if you're an iOS user, you can get notifications that an unwanted tracking alert, it's called an unwanted tracking alert. And it'll play a little tune for you and tell you that, you know, this AirTag is, 
in your vicinity. So the company said it will also add a feature that makes the air tag, makes an air tag that hasn't been with the person who registered it for an extended period of time, play a sound when moved. In theory, this could reveal the presence of an air tag to a stalking victim. But recent reports reveal that air tags with the internal speakers deactivated have been listed for sale online. So criminals are, they're always trying to think one step ahead. So to counter this, when the sound is triggered and the air tag is detected, moving with an iPhone and iPad or iPod touch, an alert will also now appear on that device. Wow. Wow, unbelievable. It says here that air tags are so incredibly good at finding things that they can track items down to 0.1 feet, less than a, less than a foot. But the accuracy means that in the wrong hands, they can be used as sophisticated tracking tools. And this isn't just theoretical. There have been reports and evidence of people using air tags to follow other people. Hmm. Mm -mm. So um, again, Apple didn't foresee this because it took them six months after the launch of the AirTags to bring out an app that would alert Android users of an unwanted AirTag. So somebody wants to steal you or stalk you, child, that's, you know, they're using modern technology. I've heard of this before, though, where people will get tracking devices and they will put it on people's vehicles and they'll track them. Now, those are not always easy to detect, but at least with the Apple AirTag, you know, they can quickly deploy software that will let you know that you're being tracked. What a mess. Mm, mm, mm. Marshall says, oh, wow, that's crazy. I tell you the things you hear. <sighs> Denny says, yep, just like they also misuse firearms. Speaking of the misuse of firearms, since the killing in... Uh, of the children in Texas, there have been like what another 30 mass shootings or some some ridiculous number. Like I've honestly lost count. America. Wow. I just have to shake my head. <gasps> Soka says a woman air tagged her boyfriend, found him with another woman, and killed him just recently. Oh my god. Uh -uh. Not good. That's so scary. Hmm. Hmm. So even the Washington Post did an article about Apple's AirTag trackers, how make it frighteningly easy, frighteningly easy to stalk people. $30 wireless device. I need to buy me an AirTag, not for stalking anybody, but... Uh, there are things that I do lose all the time. I'm like, where's that air tag? Where, where, where's this again? Or, you know, I feel like my daughter could use an air tag and all her toys, child. Every day. Mom, I can't find baby Yoda. She has a little baby Yoda toy. 
I was like, child, where did you put baby Yoda the last time you had him? Go and look. She's getting to that age now where we're trying to teach her more responsibility. And I'm I'm stopping helping her find stuff. I'm like, nope, I can't help you. I don't play with baby Yoda, so it's not my responsibility. You need to go find him. Wow, this is so scary. Just be aware, folks. I'm just imparting a little bit of knowledge for you to use. 936-2626. Everton says technology is going to destroy this world because if you don't trust your husband or your wife, you can always put a tracking device in their vehicle. And even if uh, you get a hold of their phone, there's an app they can put on their phone and you can track either him or her. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And to be quite clear, tracking devices have always existed. It's just a lot easier for the average person. 30 bucks. That's not a whole lot of money. Before, you needed to have someone like install it in the car. So the mechanic probably knew that you were tracking your spouse. You know, now it's it's relatively easy. Everton says, at my home, I can see who comes and goes. It doesn't matter where I am, if I'm out or about, or even out of the country, and want somebody to get into my house, I can do it at the front door. Yes, us too. We can open our front door remotely. Uh, the back door opens. We get an alert. Screen door opened. Mm-hmm. Um, front door opened. We know every, every door that opens. Uh, we got cameras all over the place. I tell people, don't be trying to funny business around here. Because everybody's going to know your business. Marlon's going to know your business. He's head of security. He's standing up at the front door having a conversation. He's going to hear every word he you're saying if he wanted to. You got to have some security. <laughs> Remy says, put a tag in your hubby too. Been trying to find him for some time. Now, my hubby? You're trying to find Marlon? He's easy to find. I didn't know that you needed him. Remy, so funny. Uh, Perla, good morning. She says, do you remember that I said I don't trust these trackers? Now you see why a lot of people use them negatively. Well, listen, it's not the technology that's the problem. It's the people who are using the technology that's the problem. So let's be very, very honest here, folks. Right? The technology has a lot of positive benefits. I could see why you'd want to track you know, bicycles, as many those go missing and people steal those. Um, so yeah, very, very interesting. All right, let's keep the conversation moving. Uh, folks, a little bit of open mic today. If you guys have something on your mind, do feel free to call in 936-2626. That's 936-BOBO. Uh, I'm hoping by tomorrow we have some guests coming on from the food bank. So I know last week we were talking about the food bank and you guys had a lot of questions. And so they will be joining the program tomorrow. Um, and then on, we also have someone from the ministry of culture that's coming on to talk about some event on Friday that they have going on. So we have a few, few guests, uh, that are coming on. And, uh, yeah. All right. Cubanos, buenos dias. Como estas? We got Cubans in the Cayman Islands, as you guys know. 
and they um, have been causing a little bit of a stir over the weekend. So let's talk about that. I feel sorry. By the way, just, just a quick note. Someone has actually sent me, um, Floyd Mayweather has left already. Someone sent me exactly where he was, speaking of tracking, <laughs> and what business he was doing here in the Cayman Islands. Mm, He's looking at property in Cayman Kai, y'all. Nice. He's looking at a particular resort. I'm not going to tell y'all which resort because y'all might be going there trying to buy a million dollar condo just to hang out with Floyd Mayweather. But, you know, these resorts have a certain amount of appeal, I must tell you. With all their accommodations. So he's looking to buy him something. That's nice. Free underground parking and everything. Wow. That's nice. All right. Well, good luck to him. Very nice property, actually. Infinity pool and everything. Ah, look at that. Okay, so Cubans have come here recently, um, Cuban migrants, illegally, on a boat. They're trying to get anywhere out of Cuba. We understand the desperation because their government is just what it is. And so they think that life elsewhere is better. It's all relative. Believe me, you. It really is. People are getting in a boat and practically dying to come to the Cayman Islands. Okay. Well, um, the interesting thing about that is... Uh, when they come here they're, this weekend, they're making certain demands of the Cayman Islands government about being released from detention, because right now they're being detained. So they had a little protest on, I believe it was Saturday, uh, going into Sunday or Sunday going into Monday. I think it was Sunday going into Monday. So they had a protest. They deployed, <laughs> the police deployed the helicopter 78 of them at the detention center. Some have been moved because there is a chicken pox outbreak. And they did a video about all this stuff. Cubans put up a video on social media protesting and saying in Spanish that they want to be let out of the detention center and all kind of stuff. And we did the story because, you know, it is a story. Uh worth covering and immediately came onions which i'm not really surprised at we're like these people are so ungrateful what do them tell them to go back to cuba <laughs> i get it as well i do understand the sentiment that you know you're not an invited guest here first of all you didn't come through the right protocols you didn't you know apply for work permit and, and checks and balances done, and you brought in under that remit, you're kind of here as an unwanted visitor. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what red carpet that they thought that they were going to get or what sort of unrealistic position they have as it relates to their treatment, but the Cayman Islands government there's over 100 Cubans in recent times that have come in just this year alone. 
The Cayman Islands government cannot afford to be housing you in a $4,000 house that can only house probably maybe five or six people. Not when you got over 100 of you here. So we need the message to go out to reverb loud and clear beyond your shores and Havana and beyond in Cuba that the Cayman Islands is probably not going to be your destination of choice, despite what you've been told, and we know they've been told, oh, go to the Cayman Islands. There are allegations of human trafficking, which I wouldn't doubt because some of them coming very fresh, talking about they took a boat from Cuba and you got on fresh, crisp clothes, you just had a bath, you look good. Smell good. I'm like, mm, you ride on a boat for how long? Not likely. We don't have, despite how wealthy you may think the Cayman Islands is, our government struggles to support the people of the Cayman Islands and the infrastructure that we have here and all these other things. We don't have an unlimited, unlimited budget to help. So they're being housed at the Fairbanks Detention Center. Yeah. And so what that means, folks, I'm going to show you the video that they did, actually, um, is you may not be getting the best treatment in the world. You know, that's like a communal situation. You're going to be... It's a detention center. So you're going to be sharing a shower. I'm going to show you guys some pictures here of them. So they did have a chicken pox outbreak, which is like, ew. Poor things. So this is them outside of the detention center. I was surprised that there are a few women there. I'm like, where, where are the women? Are they living outside or are they actually inside the detention center? But anyway. There they are. There's this guy in his boxers and stuff. Oh, it's hot out there, chill. So I'm not sure that this is what they envisioned when they thought of coming to the Cayman Islands. But you're not going to get put up at the Ritz. Here's one of the guys who actually has chicken pox, poor thing. Ugh. Ugh. That makes my skin crawl. Here's another one. Mm-mm-mm. Feel sorry for them. So let's watch the video and then we're going to talk a bit more about it. Mira lo que estamos pasando aquí en la Caimán. Es un centro de migratorio aquí en inmigración, es una, un centro de detención. Mira cómo está la gente enferma aquí y no toman medidas con ninguno de nosotros, mira. Con fiebre la gente aquí, mira. Con fiebre y no vienen a ver a nadie aquí, mira. Son la gente que se está enfermando y hace, hace días que no tenemos nada, ningún resultado de nada. Mira la gente enferma aquí, mira. Enferma están la gente aquí, mira. Uno con fiebre, volado en fiebre, mira. Esto es inmigración. No nos sacan, no hacen nada, no toman medidas, no hacen nada. Cero medicamentos, no nos dan de nada, mira. Mira para acá, cosito. Mira ese muchacho, mira. Como tiene que estar aquí con fiebre y enfermo, mira. Mira los enfermos, mira. Este muchacho con una fiebre de, de casi de 40 aquí casi, ¿eh? 
Y así es todo. No nos atienden. Los derechos humanos aquí no nos atienden nada. Mira cómo estamos durmiendo. Pasando trabajo sin aseo, sin nada, sin toallas, sin nada. Mira. En el piso, mira. Para tenerlo grabado, ¿para qué va a ser? Y es contagiosa la enfermedad. Mira, un hombre tirado muriéndose en el piso y mira. Convulsionando con fiebre hace como cinco días y no hacen nada con nosotros. Que mira. No, y no querían, no, no querían llamar a nadie. Y no querían llamar nada. Mira, no son uno, son unos cuantos. Mira, para que se muera el cubano aquí. Uno está muriendo, miren a ver. Está los violitos. Tienen que estar aquí. Y me tienen metido aquí a cojones por inmigración, confabulado. Con hijo de puta de seguridad de Estado cubana que vive en esta isla, ¿viste? Inmigración confabulado. Cojones para que me contamine también. Yo no tenía que estar aquí ni cojones. Confabulado con Michelle, si me hago la cabeza. ¿Qué es la seguridad de Estado cubana? Llevo seis años en esta isla. Seis años en esta isla, cojones. Me metieron para aquí para que me contaminara. ¿De los cubanos que están desaparecidos aquí, Miguel? ¿Viste? No joda, que aquí los cubanos se desaparecen y no pasan ni cojones. Hay cuatro desaparecidos. Cojones. Mira, ahora queda bien. Ahora. Decían que no había ambulancia, no, que se murieron una gente para venir a la ambulancia. Mira, estaban diciendo que se muriera para que viniera una ambulancia aquí a la pinga esta. Cingado que lo que son. What a hot mess. Um, so someone's asking for the number for the women's crisis center. Uh, let me just see if I can get that quickly for you. You must be needing it if you're messaging on, on the chat here. So the crisis center contact number for them, uh, crystal is, they have a general increase number 943-2422. That's the 24 seven crisis line open 24 seven emergency crisis center give them a call if you need it all right so um yeah so basically what they're saying is the guy who was recording initially and this is gonna be a very rough translation child i was listening and then towards the end when it started to get a little bit too fast for me all i heard was the word puta and i was like oh lord <laughs> So he's explaining that they're in the detention center in the Cayman Islands, that people are sick with fever and they haven't been provided any help. It's been days and they haven't gotten any results or any report, no medication, no assistance, that they're sleeping on the floor. Well, technically they're sleeping in cots that are on the floor, but anyway. Um, and then the one by the fence says that he's been put in the detention center to get contaminated. And he's been uh, six years on the island. He got detained and placed there. Six years? Okay. And he said that Cubans disappear and nothing happens. Disappear in the Cayman Islands? That's because they got on a boat and went to Mexico. So um, lots of complaints, lots of confusion. And I'm going to just tell you, my Cubans, listen to me very, very carefully. Because I know y'all be listening to the program. Uh, k think you're ungrateful. They don't really want you here. The government has an obligation to treat you with a certain degree of decorum or whatever, human rights. So you're not going to be mistreated in the Cayman Islands, but I wouldn't expect the red carpet. So they obviously had given, been given some kind of medication because you see them with all the white stuff all slathered all over them. That's that 
um, treatment, chamomile or whatever the heck it is when you get the chicken pox. You know, you put that on to kind of help with the itching and that sort of thing. So they've obviously been receiving medication. I mean, if you're running a slight fever, they're probably going to just give you Panadol. You know, I'm not really sure what their expectations were. But I must tell you, just I'm just going to tell you how it is. I can't sugarcoat it. As a whole, Caymanians feel like the Cuban migrants that come here are very, very ungrateful people. That they're always protesting. They're like, go back home and protest. You know what happens when you protest in Cuba? You get thrown in jail for about 10, 12 years. That they're always protesting. They always have the most to say about the conditions. And so people say, then why do you keep coming here? Spread the word far. Near and far in Cuba that don't go to the Cayman Islands because we can't just let you out roaming the streets. Having said that, I can tell you that John McLean Jr. has been blowing up my phone for well over a week saying, Sandy, I'm sick and tired of these Cubans roaming all over East End. He said, we don't know anything about these people. We don't know where they're coming from. And so... You know, it's dangerous to allow people to roam free up and down your neighborhoods. He's like, I got an elderly mom in East End that I'm concerned about, that we don't know anything about. It's interesting because on yesterday, I received a message from someone who said from strong sources at the East End Detention Center, the Cubans at the Fairbanks Detention Center are a mixture of criminals and murderers from Cuba who ran here to escape judgment for crimes committed and therefore should be sent back. So this is people in the Cuban community, some of the migrants themselves who are like, "Mm, y'all might not wanna let those people out too easily in your community because they're criminals. And that is why they have to be processed by CBC in a particular manner to try to ascertain their identity. The irony of it is, in my mind, if you're a legit person, when you travel, when you get on a uh, on a boat to go anywhere, Would you not travel with ID so that people can easily identify who you are? This person shared that that's the issue and we don't really know because there's nothing to show who they are, nothing to prove their names or who they say that they are. So the protests on Sunday going into Monday was a peaceful protest initially with the Cuban flag. The RCAPS deployed the helicopter. They were kneeling and raising their hands and singing something or another in Spanish is what an eyewitness told us. But then we could see how quickly the situation starts to escalate, right? Remember the one who commandeered the Venezuelan vessel for days and they had to be stormed and taken off the ship? Nothing ever happened to them. There were no repercussions. In fact, the police are looking for him in relation to something else, 
to question him about some allegations. They've told me they can't find him. Just last week, the detective said, oh, we can't find him. I'm like, what? People in the Cayman Islands that you can't find to question in relation to criminal allegation? Wow. Doesn't give me a whole lot of faith. <laughs> uh, okay. So Damien translated. He said he's cursing the police and telling them to return them to Cuba. We will soon come. But unfortunately, you have to be processed and ID'd because Cuba not going to just take you back like that. Perla says he's saying that most of them are getting sick with high fever. There's no treatment or medications from government. And that's why the guys were lying down. He was weak from the high fever and that they really need medical attention. Yeah. Well, that's the claim. But um, calamine lotion. Thank you, Soka. But yeah, I mean, you're not going to, I hate to tell you all this, but you're not going to get a whole lot of sympathy from the average person in this community. And people also feel a way. People say, well, they can take care of the damn Cubans, but they can't take care of their own Caymanians. So, you know, mm, no Caymanian would want to be living in a detention center, however, I must admit. So when you say that the government's taking care of them, it's kind of like, oh, well, they're in a detention center. <laughs> so they're going to make sure they, I guess, have a cot to sleep on. No Caymanian is going to be wanting to live in those conditions. Food to eat, that sort of thing. Okay, so we're about to drop a story this week. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about the Cubans except continue your journey to the U.S. Um, because, of course, a lot of them don't have seaworthy vessels. So we, you know, can't allow them to continue on if they decide to come off. Um, Lavana says that's why they come in a boat and not in a plane like everybody else. Gigi says we have enough problems already. For this, for these people to come and do what they want. I mean, yeah, we can't. Um, and to Lavana's point, if they're like legit people, they would be able to travel in a plane. Legit in the sense that they're not running from anything. Shall we? We just can't. Listen, you can't trust people. You just got to be careful. Ugh, there were some horrible stories coming out of, um, I don't know if you saw this the other day, but there's some horrible stories of, child abuse and rape and stuff coming out of St. Vincent the other day. Uh, Renee had put those stories up and I'm just like, wow, you cannot trust people, trust no one, especially when it comes to your children. It's horrible. So um, I'm a little bit torn. Like I have sympathy for their plight, but you know, when you come here, what, 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 what was your condition, your living condition in Cuba? You know, like if it was that good, if you were getting medical care when you had a fever and you could get access to medicine, whatever, why would you leave? No, because it was far worse than what it is here for sure. So, you know, probably not a good idea to come here making any sort of demands on the people. The people are not going to take too kindly to that. So we have requested from government some information on how many of them have IDs. So I was told, generally speaking, that a lot of them do have national IDs when they arrive, but they're going to, um, CBC will get me some specifics. 
because I'd like to know what percentage is showing up without IDs. Another person makes this observation, Cuba was treating them badly according to them. That's why they risked their lives and left. And some of them are very ungrateful though and seem to forget quite quickly and easily how difficult the economic conditions are in Cuba. So there's a, there's a holding place in Breakers. I didn't even know the Breakers had a civic center, but there you go. Uh, there is one there. It's in Bodentown East constituency, located opposite what used to be the Lighthouse Club restaurant. So they're being processed and government has an obligation to provide accommodations. But this person, again, connected to government said it's neither practical nor affordable to provide rented accommodations for the numbers that we have now. They're not allowed to work unless they're granted asylum and therefore they cannot be let to roam the streets with no housing or jobs because clearly that is creating an untenable situation. Hmm. So, you know, it is what it is. Damien says, yeah, I know that, but I read the comments and the process is not that quick as Cuba does not want them back right away. Now DR has more flights for them to reach Nicaragua, the ones who do it the legal way. Well, even the ones who are going through Nicaragua, they're doing it sort of semi-legal, but they're not supposed to be entering the U.S. And so they just want to get, because they use Nicaragua, and then they go to the Mexican border and they enter illegally. So... They might have an ID, but I don't know. Uh, Gary says, not all that are running from Cuba are honest. A lot are running from criminal issues and Cuba don't joke. Yeah. Everton says, no, we don't need them here. We had enough problems with the Mexican border. Don't you see what's happening over there? No, sir. Send them back to Cuba. Uh, let they fight for their rights in their own country. And to be fair to them, they have been protesting, but it doesn't seem to be getting them far. Uh, Julie says, Anna watching the Cubans while the predators is controlling the island, stay there. So don't take notice of what's taking place or who's running things. When push come to shout, enough of us is going to suck sorry through a wooden spoon. Not quite sure I'm following that, but we need to pay attention to all of these issues. It's not that when, when people say something to me like this, I think, is that because the human brain can only process one thing at a time, which actually isn't true? We could be concerned about more than one issue at a time. So we're not just watching the Cubans and nothing else. We're saying, hey, this is an issue over here that we're concerned about that needs to be addressed. And we're watching tons of other issues. It's not a all or nothing. It's not like we're hyper-focused on the Cubans and nothing else. How many topics have we not talked about this morning alone? This hasn't been just about the Cubans. Uh, yes, KK, the cost of living. Mm -mm -mm. Everything's going up. And I, when I tell you all over the world, I was watching a comment yesterday. Someone posted about the cost of gas. And someone said, oh, yeah, but in, Q in Canada, the gas was $8 and something a gallon. And so they're like, it's actually more expensive than it is in the Cayman Islands right now. And I was like, what? Really? Okay. Perspective, folks. 
So there's a story that we're about to drop this morning about a child that allegedly almost drowned at the Ritz-Carlton over the weekend. I wish I could play the um, the video for you, not the video, but the audio note um, of the parent who contacted me about this. They were so upset. So one parent was there. The, this is the water park. You guys know the water park, right? A lot of kids go there for like, it's a popular spot for birthday celebrations and so on. And, um, you know, it's fun. It's like the water isn't necessarily deep, but it does have this bucket that fills up with water and then it pours it on the kids. And some kids like that. Kids just love water. Kids don't always understand the dangers of water, but they love water. And so, you know, they were, um, this couple was there with their son and they saw a child in the water, like not responding. And they run over and pull this child out. The child they say wasn't breathing and they had to perform CPR on the child. I was like, what? So this is quite an interesting story. We're going to put it up here shortly. I think Renee has been working on it this morning. The first thing I want to say is, um, parents, you have to be aware of child safeguarding policies. So every single place that you take your child, whether it's a water park, which is intended to attract families with children, summer camps are right around the corner. The questions that you need to ask, or at least a question, is what is your child safeguarding policy? You need to read and ask about the rules if you actually care about your children. Because one of the allegations here as it relates to the Ritz is that there are no lifeguards at the water park. And to be honest, I've been there a couple of times for, you know, parents have birthday parties there because they can order a little pizza for the kids. You know, you order stuff there at the Ritz. And like I said, kids love water. And so it's a good opportunity for um, children to just enjoy themselves. But children in all situations need supervision, especially around water. Water is dangerous, whether you think your child can swim or not. So this little kid is like a three-year-old child almost drowns and um, sadly the accounts of what happened made people question number one is there a lifeguard the times I've been there I don't ever recall seeing a lifeguard never and I've been there a handful of times because again my daughter's friends they like to have functions there so I don't recall seeing lifeguards there and then what the person shared is that no one who was there that was part of the RIT staff appeared to be CPR trained or CPR certified. So her son's father, who is CPR certified, was the one who needed to administer CPR to this three-year-old child. And I spoke to him on, on the phone yesterday, and he said, Sandy, it's one of those things that you do it and you hope you never have to use it. 
Because performing CPR on anybody is not fun, but on particularly on a child, because normally when you do the compressions and stuff, a lot of times you end up breaking people's ribs, but it's like break a rib or keep them alive. Those are your two options. So come to find out the child had some sort of a allergic reaction to something. They were still trying to, to figure out what it was. So I think he has a known allergy to cheese and something else, cheese and bananas or something, apparently. And they said the banana allergy can actually be really, really life-threatening. So he had some kind of allergic anaphylactic shock reaction. Uh, you know, your throat starts closing up. That alone can be deadly. And then he fell into the water and essentially was starting to drown in the water. Nobody was really paying attention. His father saw it, ran over. He was losing consciousness in the water. Hotel has no Benadryl, no EpiPen, nothing. This person, the parent who shared it on uh, online said, while I find it extremely weird and discomforting being the ambassador of the environment, ambassadors of the environment deal with children on a daily basis, that they wouldn't have anything like this on hand. Nobody seemed to know CPR. They addressed their concerns with the management at the facility and raised the fact that none of the staff were CPR certified. And they were given what they say is the unprofessional response of, we'll look into this. Uh, this parent goes on to say, safe to say my child would never be attending a camp there or any other going to that water park unless he's with me and his CPR certified father. Super sad situation. This is how they described it. As we've all been shaken up, especially with all of our attention on the little boy and not being able to comfort our boys as we'd like to due to being on the phone with 911 and administrating CPR. So the ambulance actually came for this child. They go on to say, while the staff seemed to breeze everything off like nothing, very disappointed in this particular hotel as we frequent, we're frequent guests to the water park. Now the Kimpton also has um, a water park. And I have seen parents, like I, I get so paranoid with children on water. I have seen parents, right? Like I've seen kids almost knock each other into the water. They're running around. I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm in pins and needles. Like, oh my God, that child's going to slip and fall. And the parents are like, ah, don't worry about it. They'll live. They're resilient. I'm like, oh, I'm like biting my nails. Like, oh my God, are you serious? No, sir. Some parents are slack, I must say. I must say. But you also need to ensure that wherever you are, you are aware, like, are there lifeguards? Most of the people working at these water parks are there to serve you your drinks and, and make a tip and, you know, get you some snacks and some food. So it's a little bit scary that there's no water, there's no lifeguards there. And the people who are there don't seem to know CPR around water. That's almost like a given. So this got me to thinking about my own CPR skills, which I used to be CPR certified. You know, I became CPR certified in high school because they're just, these are just things that you do in the States. You get CPR certified. And so I did my very first CPR course. I think I might've been like in the ninth or 10th grade. 
And then, you know, CPR certified for a while. I think I let it lapse because my job at the time was an RA. I had to be CPR certified as well when I got to university. And then, of course, when you have a baby, you go to all the baby courses and whatever. Like we did all that. And we did baby CPR. But I haven't been certified in a minute. And I'm thinking maybe I need to get certified again. Although, oh, God, I'm like, I don't want to. Like, like this parent said, nobody ever wants to actually use it. But sometimes it's necessary. Good morning, Damaris, joining us from Queens, New York. KK says, what? That's crazy. Mm -mm. Uh, KK says, no matter where you go and your children are with you, you must watch them, period. Loose parents. Well, you know, to be fair to parents, sometimes you just get into conversation. And, and next thing you know, um... You take two seconds off your kids and yeah, anything can happen. So uh, it's pretty, pretty scary to be quite frank. Parents be on alert. It's easy to let down your guard. Thank you, Strong Will, who's sending congratulations to the Cayman football team. They had a draw this weekend. And by the way, they're playing again. So let me give them a big shout out at this time. Cayman Islands uh, Football Association. They are playing again. Go buy your tickets on um, Thursday. That's tomorrow. It's going to be the Cayman Islands versus Puerto Rico. And this is at the Truman Baden Sports Complex, 5 p.m. And you can get your tickets only $15 at Event Pro. And this is part of CONCACAF's Nations League. So please go and uh, support Team Cayman. You can purchase your tickets online as we play Puerto Rico. But yes, we did play over the weekend. Who did we play again? Hold on, let me tell you. I should know this because we did post it up. And it was 1-1 was the final score. So good. Good for Team Cayman. You know, we're... We're trying a little thing. Um, thank you, Strong Will, for that reminder. So KK says, no lifeguard as it's parents who watch the children. Some parents are so loose. I mean, like I said, you know, I can understand that sentiment, but I also can see how parents, you know, sometimes you stand up talking and just two seconds. It only takes a second for something to happen. Now, Turtle Farm, big shout out to them. They got lifeguards on duty. They sit up high so they can have a visual of what's going on. And it's raining in the beautiful Cayman Islands right now. Newlands, it just started raining. So I don't know. We, we've reached out to the Ritz for a comment because I, I'm curious to know why staff who work in that area wouldn't be CPR. I mean, I, I would think as part of just your hotel training, I mean, you are the ladies and gentlemen of the Ritz-Carlton after all, that pretty much everybody should do a basic course, um, safety course, which should include CPR training at least once a year because you got to renew your CPR training. Oh God, I remember so vividly. This is like the weirdest thing. When I first got CPR trained, for some reason, that moment in my life has always been embedded in my brain as a memory. Because, child, it was a lot of hard work. I remember sitting there on the dummy doing my compressions. 
And I was like working up a sweat. Like, give me a minute here. And I was, and you count to, was it 10? And then you you blew and then you did some more compressions. So um, we took turns on the dummy and they had a little, like you changed out the, the mouthpiece on the dummy, even back then, you know, for sanitary reasons. And yes, child, I remember, I even remember what I was wearing that day. Isn't that like the most random thing in the world? It's so weird. I'm like, what? 15 years old, maybe 14 years old, probably 15. And I just remember what I was wearing that day in the compressions. And you know what else I remember? There was a super cute guy in class. Yeah. Had beautiful hair. Nice, beautiful hair. Um, anyway, get CPR certified folks. That's the bottom line. I think that things can happen. You know, they should have not just people who are CPR certified, but you should also have the, um, what are the devices called again? Help me out, Doc. I know some of y'all are watching your doctors. You can get the home kits that uh, can shock you back to life if you need it. You know, get get yourself one of those because that's something else that you need. Yeah. I'm just saying. Um, fibrillators, yes. Are they called defibrillators? I think you can actually buy these on Amazon. Because most government buildings now have them. Defibrillators, AED for home use. They cost you, depending on which one you get, uh, anywhere from about, um, let me see here now, single AED trainer. That one's $119. They go up to normally a couple thousand dollars. But if somebody has a cardiac issue, and that can impact old people, young people, you never know. Um, you know, you can quickly get the heart pumping again until someone can come from emergency services. So I think that the lesson here is number one, the Ritz needs to answer some questions about their policy. And uh, tell us how we should feel safe having our children go to your facility. What training do they have? But they always have these little disclaimer signs when you go in, oh, you're, it's your responsibility if you drown or if your kids drown sort of thing. But nobody's wanna, is going to want to go to your business if, you know, they don't feel like your staff can even help in an emergency situation. Right? It's a good opportunity, but parents, please. Summer camps are here. You've got to ensure that you know, ask, you know, in a camp, anything can happen. What are your safety protocols? What if this happens? What if that happens? Ask to see their policy because they should have written policies in place as well. Super, super important. So those are our topics for the day, folks. Uh, tomorrow is Thursday. We're going to talk. Like I said, we've got some guests coming into the program, coming onto the program, talking about the food bank, and then we'll have some open mic opportunity again to see what else is on your mind. Hoping that you guys have a fabulous day today. A little bit of rain, so stay dry. Drive slowly. Wear your seatbelt. 
No drinking and driving. We're going to talk about that video tomorrow that's now gone viral. People drinking and driving and recording it and putting it on TikTok. Can you believe people? That is like the ultimate in stupidity to do that. Anyway, you guys have a fabulous day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 